every once in a while when I'm watching a CFO game on the middle of a uh, nice, beautiful Saturday afternoon, uh, I will get a meal of hot dogs and apple pie. Oh! Uh, and with a little American flag in it, trying to remind me, hey, you know what? You're not Canadian, so knock it off. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Every week, John, John Fraser. Fraser. To me, if this isn't rock bottom for the Bombers, I don't know what is. And Travis Curra. Who would win between the world's fastest cow, the CFL Rabbit, or Brandon Banks? We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Bad pizza's better than good salad, right? It's true. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world. Can't forget the nonsense. Ready, set, hook Welcome to episode 38 of the Two and Out CFL podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Rush Lacrosse Club, saskrush.com to get your 2017 season tickets and all the merchandise your little heart desires. Travis Curra, John Fraser normally here with you, but he is a little bit under the weather, so I will be joined by Joe Pritchard of CFLPass.ca as well as the Rouge White and Blue CFL podcast. A little bit later on, we're going to be using this episode to preview both the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Ottawa Red Blacks. If you missed last episode on Wednesday, it was for the Argos and the Owls. Before we really get going, uh, I will talk about also the preseason game last night between the Bombers and the Alouettes, but there is one spot remaining in the Two and Out CFL podcast Fantasy League over on fantasy.ca, F-A-N-T-A-S-E-H, .ca. Brilliant name. Love it. I've been doing it for six years, and I, I love the product they have. So get in there for some head-to-head fantasy. But we got one spot left in the 2-0 and out league. So I asked fans to get on Twitter and uh, insult John Fraser, trash talk us, tell us what makes you angry, anything of, of the sort, and we'll get you into the league. Uh, I think the favorite one, <laughs> we had a message. Uh yesterday saying that John Fraser's mama wears cowboy boots. That is from Hammy on uh, Twitter. I don't know what that means. I really don't know. But it was an insult to Fraser, so uh, I decided to put him into the league. One more spot at 2 and out CFL on Twitter if you want to get in to that league. Now, the CFL preseason officially kicked off Wednesday night. The Bombers and the Alouettes. And I think I can hear them planning the parade at Portage and Maine in Winnipeg. It's been a long time, of course. 1990. If you're a Bomber fan, you're definitely tired of hearing about that. And I, I don't blame you one bit. But it showed that their depth was a lot better than Montreal's last night. And Jim Pop already, he, he didn't waste any time when it comes to confusing fans with his coaching decision, I, I don't get it. They, they took seven or eight quarterbacks to Winnipeg. They, they had three Canadians uh, on the roster as well, which is really cool. The, the Owls are really good at having a Canadian on the roster and giving them a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of CFL experience when it comes to uh, preseason. But they ended up playing Kevin Glenn for well over a quarter. He played five minutes into the uh, second quarter. I get that you want him to gain chemistry with the receivers, and and you want all that. But I think that at this point, 
is it really a necessary risk to have Kevin Glenn in there with a young and inexperienced offensive line basically waiting in the wings to get hit or possibly get injured? This guy could eclipse 50,000 career passing yards this year. I think we know what Kevin Glenn is. He's a veteran. He's been to 20 training camps. He knows what you, you know what you're going to get from him. So give the other guys a shot. Get more reps from Brandon Bridge, Rakeem Cato, Taz Boyd, Vernon Adams. They're going to have to make some very interesting decisions. It was said that the Owls were going to release Rakeem Cato, but I, I thought he looked good yesterday. He had a touchdown pass yesterday. So, Beautiful touch on the ball. He ended up actually leading a block. He, he was throwing a block. It wasn't the most textbook block ever, but it, that that's something you want from your quarterback to show a little bit of compete there. So it's going to be interesting to see who, who they keep here. That's just two, three too many uh, quarterbacks on the roster. Just puzzling why Kevin Glenn was in there for uh, over a quarter. As for Winnipeg, a lot of bright spots. I know it's preseason. I know it's one game. But, man, uh, Andrew Harris already showed the addition that he is going to be in Winnipeg. The fans gave him a nice ovation. I think he, he just had like a four-yard run to start the game. Investors Group Field goes nuts, and, and that's okay. But they have depth behind Harris, and it's been a long time since they've had depth at the running back position. If you remember last year, Carlos Anderson arguably beat Paris Cotton for the starting running back job in Winnipeg, but he tore his ACL in the preseason game, so his season was over right there. He was back yesterday. I thought he looked great. I thought he looked awesome, but he might be in a little bit tough. Uh, Timothy Flanders shined last night uh, for Winnipeg at running back. He had a one-yard touchdown. He hit the hole with authority for the Bombers, and I, I, I'm rooting for Anderson. It, it, it's a great story, but uh, maybe they do go with Flanders. Maybe you take it with a grain of salt as well, because he it was the second and third stringers for Montreal. You, you can't deny that. Another bright spot, I think, for the Bombers, Quincy McDuffie. He is probably going to be the returner or for the Bombers. They used him a little bit on offense yesterday. He had a pretty rough drop that ended up in a defender's hands uh, for a, an interception. But McDuffie has rockets on his legs. And you may have heard of him. He was Brandon Banks' backup in Hamilton, which... Probably one of the easiest jobs in the Canadian Football League. Like, that's like being Marty Brodeur's backup goalie. You play two games a year and you get paid a million bucks. I would take that in a heartbeat. But Quincy McDuffie going to get an opportunity for uh, the Blue Bombers. If you want to read the full uh, story on the game, cflpass.ca, I put that together. There was an injury the Bombers suffered on the offensive line. Jeff Keeping, longtime veteran offensive lineman with Toronto. He, he was actually a teammate of uh, Mike O'Shea's, and he's now in Winnipeg. It didn't look good. He got off the field limping. They, they didn't take him off in a cart, but I think that was just the football player and him saying, hey, no, I'm getting off the field under my own power. I hope he's okay. We're not sure what, what's going to happen as far as Jeff Keeping goes, but they want to keep Willie healthy. They want to keep that offensive line healthy. And speaking of keeping quarterbacks healthy, I think Montreal is in trouble. Jacob Ruby, their draft pick this year, played offensive tackle last night, and 
<laughs> there was a couple times they were like, uh-oh, Glenn is going to get crushed. Now, the good thing about having Glenn behind center is that he has got such a fast release that he'll be able to you know, evade pressure with how fast he can release the ball. He's not really a running quarterback. He's an athletic guy. He can move when he needs to, but that's not his bread and butter. So it might be hard to keep... Uh, the quarterbacks healthy in uh, Montreal. Also, it, it might be tough to have another rushing champion. Tyrell Sutton was the rushing champion last year in the league. We'll see if he can repeat that with a very inexperienced line in Montreal. Uh, last week, I do want to correct. Uh, I said that Dan Lefevre is in the Arena League, but there's a new podcast out there right now called The Alouette's Flight Deck. You really need to check it out. These two guys really passionate about the Montreal Alouettes. And Tim from the show ended up saying Dan Lefevre actually signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the National Football League. I totally forgot about that. But on their latest podcast, they talk about the head st- or with the head statistician of the Canadian Football League, Steve Daniel, and it is a great interview the alouettes flight deck uh of course the league rolling out a new website this year rolling out a new stat system a little bit of growing pains last night during the during the game the live stats didn't really work in in fact i think after the game it still showed no stats but the score from the second quarter so it's preseason for everyone involved the refs i thought had a had a great game last week the flags were abs or last year the flags were absolutely flying non-stop not so much last night i mean there were some flags the owls took a lot of penalties in the fourth quarter with their backups in there but the refs Great job to them. I think we're in for a great season uh, officiating-wise in the Canadian Football League. Tomorrow is a big day in the CFL preseason. Oh, yeah, three games. Only one is on TV. BC uh, is in Regina to take on the Rough Riders. That'll be interesting to see some of the new names in Saskatchewan. Darian Durant will not be playing. So uh, Jim Pop, uh, I think he could learn a little bit of a lesson from Chris Jones. I mean, why, 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 why risk Kevin Glenn? I think the Owls could surprise people this year, but they need to keep Kevin Glenn healthy. It's clear that the guys behind him uh, just not ready to be a starting quarterback in the CFL. It was also announced that uh, next week on the Friday, the Tie Cats will be streaming their home uh, preseason game with Ottawa. So yeah, that is. Uh, awesome to see the Ticats stepping up again. They did it last year. But enough about the game last night. Uh, let's get right to the news with uh, Joe Pritchard from CFL Past and the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL Podcast. In the Huddle with Fraser and Cura on the 2 and Out Podcast. Now, you've been uh, contributing some pieces to CFL Pass uh, over the last uh, little while here, and your pieces hurt my head. They are <laughs> like how much math and research goes into that is incredible. Now, on Monday, you just put out the latest, uh, what is it, the Pythagorean expectation? Yes. Uh, so, just uh, cliff notes on that, or cold notes, I suppose. Uh, so, Pythagorean expectation is uh, adapted from baseball. Okay. Um, they take 
the runs scored against the runs they give up, and they kind of and they just put them together. There's a formula involved that I'm not smart enough to understand, but I'm smart <laughs> enough to understand how to work a spreadsheet. So I was able to, with the help of uh, Mark Fulton, Fender guy on Twitter, and uh, who was also working with Michael Dryden over at Three Down Nation on some of this work here, I was able to take some of their work and put it and just put all the teams in for the past 10 years, kind of just to try to see, does this work for the CFL, and what could we figure out from this? And good Lord, last year was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, was it all the new rules that made last year crazy, or what? I think what made last year crazy was uh, the the injuries to the quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, there was also uh, a few teams that were winning close games and getting blown out when they were losing, which is definitely going to, given you only have 18 games, is going to skew the numbers a bit. Of course, yeah. with baseball, you have 162 games to play with. So this is a this is kind of just trying to take a snapshot of what a team is expected to do with how much they've scored and how much they've given up. The East Division was completely off of what they were expected to do based off of their points. Wow. So after crunching all the numbers is... Does football not have enough games to apply that expectation to, like baseball? I think you can learn a few things off of it. Um, I took a look. I took a peek at the averages over the past ten years. When you start throwing in more than just one season, you start yeah. to get some solid data. Uh, finding out that teams that exceeded their expectation one year tended to drop in the it drop wins the next season and vice versa if they underachieved based off what they were expected to do um, then they would go up the next season it was almost it wasn't completely universal but it was definitely a trend so you see a team like Ottawa is going to take a hit this year and a team like oh. Saskatchewan going to take a kiss this year I guess Right, based off of based off of the math, anyway. I mean, there's definitely extenuating circumstances. You got a lot of changes going on, um, especially with the Argos getting into a new new yeah. place. They're going to have, you know, a change in quarterback from Trevor Harris to more Ricky Ray this season. A little bit more stability, so that might mitigate a few of those games where they just did show up. Yeah, I remember they got hammered by Montreal, which. Uh, really didn't make a lot of sense given that they were that Montreal was pretty much out of it and and Toronto was in the chase for the top spot. Um, there was a few more few more they won a few more close games. They lost a bunch of blowouts. So it was so their number they were actually overachieving last year uh, based off of everything that was going on, including how many they gave up almost 500 points and scored. <laughs> just over 400 so you would expect them to be under 500 they ended up over so that was definitely an interesting thing to see there yeah we're going to talk about the argos more when we start uh previewing the teams this week or this show because i don't think they're going to be giving up as much points as they did uh, last year i think their defense and and that's another thing they're going to have stubler in place instead of uh, casey grehan they're going to have hamilton's defensive line for the most part yeah Now you start mixing matching pieces, and it's hard to take one year to the next and go, mm, does this, is this a, because uh, I was actually, we were actually talking about this just a little bit ago on the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast as well. Uh, five of the teams um, this last season were, besides one outlier, 
had the most difference um, between what they were expected to do and what they did over the past 10 years. There's only one other team, uh, the 2010 Blue Bombers, that have, that were so much different based off of what they had uh, scored and what they had given up. The next five were from last season. Wow. <laughs> so last year, you're right, it was a crazy year. If you want your head to hurt, uh, cflpass.ca and read through uh, Joe's stuff on there. And before uh, we get into our uh, team previews for the East, uh, just a couple more things. Chris Walby inducted into the Bomber Ring of Honor at Investors Group Field. Joe, you're a Bomber fan. I don't know if there could have been a better name to select. Uh, to go into the hmm. Bomber Ring of Honor? No, absolutely not. Uh, that was the best one to start with. I know there may be some people that would say Milt Siegel, and they'd have an argument, but uh, Chris Walby, to me, embodies everything that it, what it means to be a CFL superstar. Uh, just seeing some of the work he's done, uh, he was actually uh, – the MC at the CFL Fan Fight Cancer event last year. He did a fantastic job. Uh, in my position, it was great because it was actually my best friend in the world, the one that turned me on yeah. to the Bombers, that was up there running the thing. And seeing him get to interact with Chris Walby was just fantastic. Chris was great to everybody there. Uh, fantastic player on the field as well. Uh, they couldn't have done better. Yeah, and... I mean, there's going to be a lot more time to put Milt into there anyway, so I don't know if there's really uh, a rush when it comes to that. Uh, the the Saskatchewan, they have the Plaza of Honor there too, and almost it seems like it's become a moneymaker, and that's fine, and they they have a big luncheon every fall, and now it's kind of become where you have to uh, put uh, two or three players into there just because... Uh, they have to have this, you know, big dinner uh, at the, in the fall. So I don't know if that's going to happen with Winnipeg where, hey, you played nine games with us. Uh, we'll throw you into the ring of honor because we have to have this dinner. <laughs> we will see. We will see. Actually, uh, John Hodge was touching on that um, Blue Bomber talk this week as well. I got to listen to that this morning. Yeah. And they were him and uh, him and his co-host, Tim Hodge and Daring Bombing were on there talking about it. It seems like the Bombers are one of the more slow teams to adapt to this sort of thing here. So it'll be interesting to see how they go forward with it. Uh, they still haven't officially retired numbers uh, per John, uh, but they have a few that have been out of circulation for quite some time. So it'll be interesting to see if they can step up their game a little bit and start honoring some of their greats from the past a little bit better. Yeah, football is not like hockey where numbers get retired as often. Like they'll have their names up in the in the in kind of the like Edmonton has it, uh, the Ring of Honor, I guess, uh, around Commonwealth Stadium. They're moving it down to field level, but I don't think they've retired numbers really and uh, the riders i believe they only retired the numbers of the uh the, the members of the team that crashed in the mountains and way way back uh, i think that's back when the cfl had an all-star game was at the 50s or 60s and uh i think those numbers are retired but 
football's not like hockey. Hockey, they always retire. Numbers. Like the Montreal Canadiens, like the, <laughs> the players have to wear crazy numbers because there's not many available. So uh, football, they, they have their certain range. You know, the linemen wear the 50s and the 60s and the D linemen wear the 90s. And, you know, so I, I don't know if we'll ever see that become a big thing in football. But there are a few players that I would say definitely deserve to have their numbers retired. Okay, let's go to Ottawa this year now. Of course, uh, I think it's clear that they overachieved last year, and I I know that they're going to come out with a chip on their shoulder. They want to prove that, hey, that's not the case. We deserve to be where we were last year, uh, but I do thank them. They got Brazilian tie, a Brazilian wax in Winnipeg uh, for the great couple. Let's go over the departures in Ottawa. From the defensive line, Jonathan Williams, who didn't play much last year because he was banged up. Keith Sholigan, Justin Capicotti, two Canadians there. Uh, Thomas DeMarco, he was just the backup quarterback. He's actually in Edmonton competing uh, to get on the roster there. Jeremiah Johnson, who was a touchdown machine at one point in the season. Last year, he's off to BC. They lost uh, linebacker James Green. Uh, Javon Johnson is in uh, Montreal. Colin Kelly, I believe he's off to the National Football League. Sean Lemon was actually uh, going to go to the NFL, but he ended up going to Saskatchewan. He was the old bait and switch there. And then Brandon Thompson is gone as well. As for additions, Pretty light, if I'm being honest. Ryan Hines ended up signing there, but I believe he ended up retiring. They brought in a defensive end, Arno Gascon Nadon. I'm not very good with my French, man. <laughs> From you would probably be better than I would be. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, they bring in Trevor Harris, and they bring in uh, Brendan Gillanders as well. Now, the Trevor Harris news is very interesting. Now, did Harris go into this year, and I think he did, thinking that, hey, I'm going to back up one more year. And what better tutelage? He, he got to learn from Ricky Ray, and now he's going to be able to learn from Henry Burris. I could think of a lot worse guys to learn from at the quarterback position. But now Henry Burris ends up reworking his contract to sign an extension into uh, next year. Is Burris just going to say, hey, take less money and back up Trevor Harris and kind of Help him out, kind of the ways that Jarius Jackson was the backup in BC for years. Uh, does Henry Burris do that next year? I don't. I don't even know if you could say that Burris will be the backup next year. I think uh, Harris is not a young guy. A lot of people probably think he's, he's not. You know, twenty four, twenty five, because he hasn't had a lot of experience in the CFL. He had last year, and that's about it as far as playing time goes. But he's around 30. He may be over 30 already. So there's not a lot of time for him to sit around behind people now. So that's that was the first thing that struck me. Is uh, I was thinking he was heading to Montreal, likely to take a shot at the job uh, or uh, or elsewhere. But Ottawa to back up Burris just didn't make a lot of sense. And now with Burris having that extension, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of tension for the next couple of years there. Well, it's all on... It's all on Henry Burris's back now. I think the pressure is on him because last year, is it fair for me to say that I don't think Burris is going to have another MOP-like year this year? That was, 
I don't think anybody expected that. But with all the injuries and all the quarterbacks getting hurt, maybe the door opened for Burris to win that because it was probably going to be Zach Caleros. I don't think there's any denying that. But I don't know if we see a repeat performance from Ottawa this year on the offensive side of the ball for 100 uh, or four 1,000-yard receivers. Burris looked great. Well, now their offensive coordinator is a head coach in uh, Edmonton. So maybe that does hurt their offense last year. You wrote the article, Ottawa overachieved last year. Uh, I mean, th- that that much is clear. Is Ottawa finally going to get their special teams going? They, they haven't gotten it going in the last two years. Uh, even with Chris Williams, he was a weapon on offense last year. They actually ended up taking him off of special teams, and I don't know the reasoning behind it, if they just wanted to change things up or they're like, we can't get anything going. We might as well not risk injury with uh, Chris Williams. But to bring Bob Dyson, I think he's a solid special teams coach. And then uh, at running back, that's where the battle is this year. They went with Siobhan Walker to start last year and all of 2014, but William Powell gets a full Full season, hopefully, if you can win the job over Trayvon Van. Uh, but he had 447 yards, two touchdowns in seven games last year. So they might improve there. How do you see their offense faring this year, Joe? I don't think it's going to fare too badly. I don't think it's going to be as good as it was last year. But last year was uh, just felt like everything was going right for that offense. Uh, Burris had, uh, he might have had his best year in the CFL altogether, and you usually don't see that at that age. No. I can't imagine it gets better uh, given given the age, uh, but I could see him maintaining most of it. I could definitely see that happening. Uh, but then you also have, now you have a situation where Trevor Harris is standing right there, and if things don't go well for a couple games, what's to keep the team from going, oh, we made an investment in Trevor Harris, it's his turn now. I don't see that happening, at least right away. But if things don't go as well as they did last year, if if a few things go badly that went well last year, who's to say they don't blow things up midseason? Well, and Burris, his whole career has been kicked out of places for not being wanted. I don't know if they do that with him in Ottawa, but in Saskatchewan, he basically got, uh, they chose Nealon Green over him. So then he went to Calgary, and he ended up uh, losing his job to, it was Drew Tate at the time. It wasn't even Bo Levi uh, Mitchell. So (laughs) he gets kicked to Hamilton, and then, of course, Zach Caleros comes in, and now he's he's in Ottawa. I don't know if they end up uh, taking the job away from him uh, to put Trevor Harris in that position, but it was last offseason that it was rumored that Trevor Harris was looking to be the highest-paid quarterback in the CFL. And yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how much money Ottawa gave him, but when you invest in him financially – there's no reason he shouldn't be the guy. But it, it, they did say that Burris took a pay cut for next year. Either way, that's a lot of money tied up in your quarterbacks. Yeah, I I have a hard time seeing both of them playing there next year simply because of the money invested. Uh, I know that they started from scratch a couple of years ago and probably have a little bit of room to maneuver now. Yeah. Uh, and they did lose a few key free agents too, but at some point they're going to run into issues with the cap. And why are you going to keep two, two star- veteran potential starting quarterbacks around? That, that 
I'm having a hard time seeing their logic here. I could see the logic of bringing in a young guy to back up Burris for this year, maybe next, and learn. But Trevor Harris, again, isn't that young. So I'm really kind of missing where their logic is coming from here. Where do you have the Red Blacks finishing this year? I've got them finishing third with eight wins. I have them finishing third as well. Uh, they still make the playoffs, but John has them finishing uh, second, uh, getting them a home playoff game, uh, which is would be awesome. I, I love our nation. I, <laughs> I I love the way that they have revamped uh, that team and made TD Place one of the coolest stadiums in the league. So the Tragically Hip song we apply to the Ottawa All-Caps is Three Pistols because they have too many quarterbacks and a quarterback controversy is brewing. One more team in our East Division preview takes us to the Hammer, the Tiger Cats. Now, if you look at their free agent list, it was a mile long. They had just as many names available or leaving as the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and that's saying something because last year that was a massive lineup as well. But here we go with who has left Hamilton, Brian Bulky. He is off to Toronto. Mike Edom, he's in B.C., uh, I believe. Ed Ganey off to Saskatchewan. Arnaud Gascon Nadon is off to uh, Montreal. No, he's off to Ottawa, sorry. Uh, Hazan Hazim is off to Saskatchewan. And we lose Justin Hickman, Neil King, Justin Medlock, Taylor Reed, Terrell Sinkfield, Brian Hall, and uh, Brandon Stewart. So uh, there's some solid names there, but they made some solid additions, I think, as well. Alex Hoffman-Ellis who ended up taking over in B.C. last year after Solomon Elamimian went down. He could be one of the most underrated signings of the offseason, I think. Brian Simmons, offensive lineman from Edmonton. John Chick from Saskatchewan. Damon Washington from Winnipeg. And Chad Owens from Toronto. That... That, to me, is going to be really weird, seeing the flying Hawaiian uh, dressing up for the Tiger Cats. Yeah, I know there's definitely some consternation in Hamilton over that one, but I think as soon as he makes a couple big plays for them, all will be, if not forgotten, at least yeah. forgiven for the moment. Some really weird, uh, not weird, but under-the-radar moves in Hamilton as well. They made Eric Tillman the GM, while Kent Austin is the head coach and VP of football operations. So, Eric Tillman, as GM, is the boss of... 
of Ken Austin as head coach, but Ken Austin is the boss of Eric Tillman as the VP of football operations. It's kind of like that song, I Am My Own Grandpa. Have you ever heard that song? Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> I think I might have to play a clip of that because that's exactly what's happening in Hamilton. Oh, I'm my own grandpa. Orlando Steinauer has also been a uh, he. He's got a new title now. I think to make him pretty happy, the assistant head coach, because I think Edmonton was looking to add him last year, but Hamilton basically shut the door and said, "Get out of here. He's ours." So he, they give him a little bit of an extra title and a new raise. Now they have a new offensive coordinator going into the year uh, from McMaster, Stefan Patasic, And as well, uh, Zach Caleros isn't ready to start the season. So this is why I have Toronto finishing first. I think that without Caleros, Mazzoli there and Jeff Matthews, they even have Ja'Cory Harris we, we we saw what they did last year. They had a great game in the playoffs uh, against Ottawa. They ended up losing. Uh, they ended up beating Toronto as well. But I, I I just can't see them finishing. Say Caleros is out for you know six games. I can't see them being much better than two and four or three and three. I think Caleros being out, and I think he might be out longer than they're letting on, could really hurt this team. Yeah, that would be a huge blow if he's out for anything longer than a month to start the year. Uh, that, that said, though, Mazzoli, when he got his chance, because they tried Harris, they tried Matthews before they tried Mazzoli, when he got his chance, he was at least keeping the team afloat. So I think you're right. I think you're going to see them be right around 500, maybe a touch less without it. But there always seems to be something going on with Hamilton that just keeps them from reaching their full potential. And uh, this year is no different, apparently. Yeah, because last year, I remember thinking, this is the year for Hamilton. This is the year they can have 13 or 14 wins, but then... The Caleros thing happened. He hurt his knee, but this year we didn't mention he they, they lose Bakari Grant as well. So they have some receivers that are going to want to take over. Last year the ball was spread around so much, but uh, for fantasy purposes, Terrence Tolliver and Tyquan Underwood are going to be guys you, you're going to want to watch this year. They are going to be the leading receivers in Hamilton. Now I think the biggest story from Ticats camp has to be Brandon Banks. Now, as of Tuesday, he was Snapchatting a photo that he was on a plane, maybe on his way to Hamilton. Now, he's one of the most exciting, dynamic players in the Canadian Football League. I love watching him uh, right from 2014 when he started lighting the league up and probably should have won the Ticats, the Grey Cup against Calgary. It just, oh, that penalty at the end of the game. Him. That one really hurts, and it obviously hurt him as well. And I know some fans were really mad at the way he acted after that game, slamming his helmet and not being with the team and kind of ignoring everybody once he got back to Hamilton. But this year, apparently, he's got some family issues. I think he's in the middle of a custody, custody battle. But really weird timing with the Brandon Banks going away pool party 
before going to Hamilton for the uh, training camp there. Yeah, I'm sure that lit the uh, tabloid world on fire as <laughs> far as the CFL has a tabloid world. But uh, when the full story came out that there was more to it than just that, uh, it made a lot more sense. Yeah, I, I hope to see him back soon. I guess the latest on Banks is that he has restructured his deal. The same pay and the same uh, term through next season, but uh, as Justin Dunk reported, uh, he more upfront money, and that's basically the reason they uh, restructured the deal. Hopefully he gets his legal stuff all sorted out and he can get back to Hamilton and light up the league more this year. Now, they have signed Simone Lawrence to an extension, so having Simone and Alex Hoffman-Ellis on defense is huge. They still have Courtney Steven. He will be moving to safety this year. They're going to have a battle at kicker. Uh, Corey Mandel versus Brett Maher seems to be the battle right now. Of course, losing Justin Medlock, who was off to Winnipeg. That could end up being a pretty big uh, departure for Hamilton. Of course it is. He's the, the most accurate kicker in CFL history right now. Uh, Lyndon Gadosh, Evan Gill, a couple guys looking to make an impact on the defensive line. At running back, I'm, I'm not convinced C.J. Gable can stay healthy. He is a great receiver out of the backfield, but if you remember last year, they had C.J. Gable. They also had, uh, what's his name, that was the leading rusher in uh, Winnipeg before being let go. Uh, Nick Grigsby. Yeah, Grigsby, and they had uh, Moses Madu. They had a whole swack of running backs, but this year, I don't know what's going to happen in that position. Gable to start the season as well, but is this his last shot to stay healthy and be an impact player? Yeah, you only have so many chances on that, and injuries are just an unfortunate part of the game, of course, but uh, health is sometimes seen as a skill. Uh, whether or not it is yeah. actually a skill or not, it's completely up for debate, but uh, if you're seen as not being able to stay healthy, you could be the uh, most dynamic player in the world, and you'll still have teams ignoring you. Yeah, Jesse Lumsden, anybody? Uh-huh. <laughs> like he was he was poised to be the greatest running back or Canadian running back at least in a CFL history but uh it wasn't to be it's too bad but he's a hell of a bobsledder now I hear Yeah yeah the running back position seems to be a uh, co- conductive to being a bobsledder as well Do they bobsled in Madison Wisconsin? Uh not here but I'm sure in plenty of other places uh, around this Fine country, they do. Awesome. Probably, I'm going to guess Colorado. I would, I would think more <laughs> of that. Although we do have the uh, third largest curling uh, setup in the nation, uh, just south of Madison. Really? Yeah. So, where else would? Where's number one and two? Minnesota and Michigan. I, I would, I would imagine <laughs> something like that. Yes, uh, I just happened to cling on to the third one because that's. You know, 20, 25 minutes from my house, so it's kind of nice to know something like that's around. Is there a Tim Hortons near the curling rink? There is no Tim Hortons <laughs> here, but there are. But there are. Uh, there is a grocery store on the east side of Madison that sells Tim Hortons cake. Really? Mm-hmm. Man, you could be John Fraser. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, actually, when I am pounding out these CFL statistical articles, usually I am fueled up by Tim Hortons. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is awesome. I can really uh, get behind that. Now, where, of course, the Ticats play at Tim Hortons Field, so maybe that is why uh, we are going on this Tim Hortons tangent. But where do you have Hamilton finishing this year? I mean, uh, I, we, we've already decided the other three positions, but just remind me. I've got them second place with 10 wins, and it's just they're going to have a time this year where they go on a hot streak. They're going to win four or five in a row, and they're going to look dominant. They're going to have times this year where they look like they've never touched a football before. It's just the way they've been the last few years, and this year is going to be no different. Yeah, I have them finishing uh, second as well. I think our East standings match. Uh, I've got yeah, I think I think we do. Toronto, Hamilton, Ottawa. I think our and West standings were actually pretty close too when I re- reveal mine. Oh, nice! Wow, great minds think alike. <laughs> I think we're we're close if we're not exact. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Fraser actually has the Ticats winning the East, and as far as their uh, tragically hip song, it is the luxury. And in Fraser's word, he says the Ticats are deep and they are sexy. All right, Joe, thanks for joining me on the Two and Out CFL podcast. Now, I guess let everybody know where they can find you uh, on social media or just in the grand big world of the Internet. Well, you can find me all over Twitter. That's where I live, basically, (laughs) at USFLTECMO, USFL Tecmo. Uh, I'm also a co-host of the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast, which actually finished recording just a few minutes before we started this one here. So I'm, uh, I might be a little podcasted out by the end of this. Yeah, you're pulling double duty tonight. <laughs> Yes, uh, it's it's been fun, though. I was definitely glad to join you on this. Yeah, you told me your wife was gone, and if you're anything like me, it's like being home alone. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what sock to put on first. Like, like I don't know what to eat. I, I don't know what to do with myself when I'm all alone. Yeah, I can usually find plenty of ways to keep, get myself in trouble, so this will keep uh, keep me out of trouble for at least another hour or so. Yeah, how do they Joe? How does she Joe proof the house? Like, put a lock on the fridge? Like, stay out of the pantry because like the peanut butter is not safe in my house, man. I'll take a spoon to that any day. <laughs> well, every once in a while, when I'm watching a CFO game on the middle of a. Uh, Nice, beautiful Saturday afternoon. Uh, I will get a meal of hot dogs and apple pie. Oh! Uh, and with a little American flag in it to, to perhaps her trying to remind me, hey, you know what? You're not Canadian, so knock it off. 
I like that apple pie and hot dogs. I, that, that's something I can definitely uh, get behind. So make sure you uh, follow Joe on Twitter at USFL Techmo. Uh, read his work on CFLPass.ca. It will make your head hurt. It's very mathematical, uh, but it's very interesting. Uh, nonetheless, to have somebody apply those stats to CFL football, because usually that stuff isn't. It, it, it's just not available uh, north of the border. Derek Taylor from Sports Center does some great stats work, and you've been doing some great stats work at CFLPass.ca. That is our East Division preview. Make sure you get into our Two and Out Fantasy League. You can tweet us at Two and Out CFL. You can email Two and Out CFL at gmail.com. Either insult John Fraser for my uh, pleasure or uh, something you're mad about. I don't care if you're mad about. Uh, how the old grannies drive slow on Sunday afternoon or whatever. Just let me know. Get it off your chest. We'll get you into the Fantasy League. Thanks for filling in, Joe. Uh, you're a lot better looking than uh, John Fraser, so uh, thanks for <laughs> filling in this week. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, make sure you follow uh, Two and Out on Facebook and Twitter, Two and Out CFL. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And also, you can now get us on Google Play Music. It's the Two and Out CFL podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Rush Lacrosse Club.